King Jehoshaphat is a great king. He's he's probably just about my favorite king as far as you know the sort of things that we can learn from the kings. I love King Jehoshaphat. And there's so much we can talk about. Obviously, we're not going to be able to get to everything, but Second Chronicles chapter 17 gives us some insight on on one of the things that King Jehoshaphat was putting an emphasis on. And so I see King Jehoshaphat putting an emphasis on the word and on prayer. The word and on prayer. Fancy that. Our Foundations Conference seeks to put an emphasis on the word and prayer. Really, we base our Foundations Conference off of Acts 6-4, where the apostles said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's those two ideas again, the word and prayer. Well, in Second Chronicles chapter 17, we see a healthy emphasis that Jehoshaphat uh, places on the word in particular. And if we read there in verse... Nine. If we read in verse 9, we'll gain a little bit of insight. And I want us as a, a group of people, God's people, to have a healthy emphasis on the Word as well. And the Word in many forms, of course. So the Word printed, the Word read, the Word preached, uh, the Word sung. A healthy emphasis on the Word. In Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 9. King Jehoshaphat, early on in his reign, he instructed all of the Levites to do something. They taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Now, you can just skim over that verse. It just uh, doesn't seem very consequential, but it's a pretty big deal what he did. He instructed all the Levites to organize themselves, to divide up the, the nation and all the cities and all the geographies, and they taught. It was, it was their mission now. They were going to go throughout the entire land, no city excluded, and they were going to teach. And they had the book of the law of the Lord with them. That is what they were teaching. They were teaching the Bible. They went around with the book of the law, and they went about throughout all the cities and taught the people. That was one of the the great things that King Jehoshaphat did. And that was no small effort. I call him the first broadcaster because that's essentially what we're, we're trying to do at Sermon Audio. We are broadcasting Uh, the preached word as far and as wide as we can. And this is exactly what Jehoshaphat did. And he took the book of the law, the book of the law. I want to just take a second to focus on this book of the law. We've been thinking a little bit on Psalm 19. Psalm 19 gives us six ways to describe this book of the law and describe its um, what it is and its effect. It talks about the law of the Lord being perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Psalm 19, verse 7, converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's really just a wonderful way of talking about this book of the law. It is perfect. It is sure. It is right. It is pure. It is clean. And it's true. It's really quite wonderful when you think about that. And if this is true of the Word of God, if all these descriptives are true, it's so perfect that it converts the soul and it's so sure that it makes wise the simple and it, and it rejoices the heart. It should be a, a cause for rejoicing in God's people. It's pure. It's pure and enlightened. It's so pure, as it says somewhere else, that it's been purified seven times. When something is seven times purified, it is absolutely, perfectly pure. Not a single impediment in there. This is the Word of God. And this is what was broadcast, taught, all throughout Judah. And what was the result of that? Well, you see the result of that in verse in, in Psalm 19. Obviously, each one of those descriptives gives a gives a result, gives an effect. But let's see what it says in 2 Chronicles 17, verse 10. If we read on, and it says, And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Isn't that amazing? That the preaching and the teaching and the broadcasting of this book of the law to God's own people had an effect on the surrounding nations. I think that's fascinating. And I think that's, uh, that, that's instructive. Because practically speaking, what is going on? Well, when God's own people are instructed and have these Psalm 19 effects on their soul, where it causes rejoicing, it causes the, uh, uh, the simple to become wise, well, that it's going to have an effect on the surrounding people. So just practically speaking, in our own churches, if we have the faithful opening up and the teaching, just like Jehoshaphat was doing of the Word of God, then God's own people will be changed. I mean, that is, that is the goal. God's own people will be changed, and they will have an effect on the community all around them. So this was King Jehoshaphat. He had a great emphasis, effort, to organize this broadcasting of the teaching and the preaching of the book of the law all throughout the country. What else do we see about King Jehoshaphat? In chapter 20, his emphasis on prayer, or at least what we can learn uh, about prayer from his example. In chapter 20, 
as was in the case of his father Asa, who encountered the million-man army from Ethiopia. It's not Ethiopia this time. Jehoshaphat faces his own crisis. It's this great multitude in verse 2. It's a great multitude from beyond the sea. It's the Ammonites teaming up with the Moabites. And they're coming. It's a great multitude. Again, probably outnumbering Judah. Causing Jehoshaphat to fear. In verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared. And look what he does. He set himself to seek the Lord. I really like that. There's some there's some purpose in there. There's a there's some thoughtfulness given to this. He set himself to seek the Lord. You can just imagine it visually. It's like he's just positioning himself. He's getting ready. This is something he knows he has to do. It's not a, a side thing. It's the primary thing. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. This is a wonderful uh, depiction, I think, of united prayer. You have these, these individuals from all these disparate cities coming out together to seek the Lord together. It's desperate. It's corporate. It's united. It's a corporate time of seeking the Lord. And that is, again... I trust what we are seeking to do here. I mean, the reason why we're doing what we're doing here is we're simply seeking the Lord. People who don't really know much about this can look on this with suspicion, perhaps, because they don't know who's behind it. They don't know what the agenda is, Um, you know. It's all kinds of questions, possibly. Well, as far as I'm concerned, of course, I don't know what everyone else is thinking, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm just here to seek the Lord to the best of my ability with other brothers and sisters. That's it. This is very simple. I I like to call it an old-fashioned prayer meeting because that's exactly what this is. It's just just an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Uh, we leave our agendas checked at the door. You know, we're not trying to we're not trying to do anything other than to just pray with other believers that have a similar burden for the reviving of his church. And and I just I pray and I hope that we never really lose the simplicity of that. That's that's all that we're here to do. To seek the Lord together, just like the Uh, the children of Judah here did. They gathered themselves together to seek the Lord. And I want you to notice uh, Hezekiah, or sorry, Jehoshaphat, he has the great prayer. It goes on to outline his prayer, starting in verse 6. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? Acknowledging the greatness of God, uh, which we seek to do as well. But as you read through this prayer, the, the amazing thing to me is how much of a strong reference he makes to Solomon's prayer. 
he actually makes a lot of references to Solomon's prayer using a lot of the same words and ideas. And so I, I suppose you can say it's scriptural praying. And that's, he's, he's look, at, look at what it says there in verse 9. If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand therefore or before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. By the way, we are the household of God. And cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. This is basically the petition of Solomon's own prayer. He was praying way back in Second Chronicles 6, where he was saying, if there ever comes a time when they're, ha- when they're faced with judgment or pestilence or famine, and they stand and they turn towards this place and pray, then Solomon was requesting, hear from heaven. And Jehoshaphat is appealing to that. So it's scriptural praying, and I think that's very important. We're, we are always basing our arguments as best we can on scripture. And then finally in verse 13, look what it says there, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. There it is, spelled out, united prayer. Their wives, their little ones, their children. This is not just for preachers. This is not just for the leadership. Prayer meetings should be open for everyone, even if they don't really have a a great understanding or a grasp of what it is. A prayer meeting, a time of seeking the Lord, should be enjoyed and experienced by everyone. I remember when I was much, much younger, being in prayer meetings, I never really prayed, but boy, did I ever listen to prayers. And I'm telling you, that is probably the greatest way to learn to pray is just to jump into a prayer meeting. You don't have to pray yourself necessarily, but just be there and listen to to people praying. The children and the little ones, I'm sure they weren't actively praying, but they were there. They were there to participate in this united effort in seeking the Lord. And that's why I think prayer meetings in church they should, they should, really should try to encourage uh, entire families to be there. This is, a, this is language that deals with families, wives, children, little ones. Because even though they don't understand everything, they get impressions. And it's sort of like, you know, if you want to teach somebody to pray, it's not going to happen through a textbook. It's not going to happen in a classroom per se. There's things you can learn, of course. It's going to happen by just doing. It's learning by doing and being in it. I mean, that's anecdotal. That's how, that's, that was my experience. And boy, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. And I pray to God that we can experience even a fraction of what it should be here or somewhere, anywhere. It doesn't have to be here, but I pray that the Lord will not erase it completely off the face of the earth. Anyway, this is United Prayer. 
Uh, one last thing I'll just say, and then we'll stop, is is actually praise as well. Praise. So we have preaching, we have the word, we have prayer, united prayer, that. And we actually have praise in here, too, which is what we're seeking to emphasize at our conference. And that's down there in verse um, 21. Verse 21. 20 and following, actually. Because they, by faith, believed that the victory was theirs. Nothing had changed. But the prophet came and said, you're not going to have to fight and so they, by faith, believed that, and they started to praise. They praised. And in verse 21, it says, they gathered the people together, and they actually quote, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. That's They're singing Psalm 136. And when they began to sing and to praise, notice that when they started to sing and to praise, then... The Lord set ambushments against it. Basically, that's when the victory came. It's like when they when they put their foot into the in, in into the water of the river, then it split. When they when they took a step, when they believed God by faith in praise, the Lord delivered them. And uh, yes, they used Psalm one thirty six. To sing that praise. And then, of course, they uh, enjoyed a tremendous victory. I mean, they were facing annihilation. And then just a few verses later, you have such a victory. They were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. Verse 25. They couldn't take it all back. There was so much. You go from the brink of annihilation, to bounty. It is wonderful. So the emphasis on the word, the emphasis on united prayer, and the emphasis on praise. Let's learn from King Jehoshaphat, and let's seek the Lord together. Amen.